So welcome to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. This is the 100th episode. And for the 100th episode, we have a very special guest, the the one, the only, Amy Porterfield. Oh. She is the woman who got me into podcasting in the first place. Thank you for being here tonight to celebrate. Well, congratulations. I'm so honored to celebrate with you. What a huge feat. This is so exciting. So thank you so much for having me. I know all the success that you've had through the years, and I'm just so honored to be here. Well, we're going to have a great conversation tonight yes. uh, because you are someone who I admire massively, but you've also pushed through so many barriers to be an example for women for what they can do uh, in business. And so few women have achieved the success that you've achieved. And I want to talk about how you've scaled your way to success, the tips and tricks you can give us. But also, I want to talk about the things that came up along the way. You know, we, we we talked a little bit earlier about ants, automatic negative thoughts, and these thoughts that kind of come toward, to you as you're building your business. So for those who've been under a rock and haven't heard me talk about you incessantly for years, can you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started, and what you're up to now? Yes. So I never, ever thought I would be an entrepreneur. I was a corporate girl for life, and I started out... Um, Really, my big corporate job was working with Tony Robbins, so, so the peak performance coach, Tony Robbins, and I was on the content team, and I got to travel the world working on the content that Tony did in his digital courses and on stage at events like Unleash the Power Within and Date with Destiny and all these really amazing experiences. And while Tony taught people how to be entrepreneurs, I couldn't help but listen to all of it. And there was just this one moment that I realized I want to do that. And to be quite honest, I had this moment that I thought, I don't want to boss anymore. As, as amazing as Tony is, I didn't want to boss. I didn't want to be told what to do, how to do it, or when to do it anymore. And I wanted that freedom. And so long story short, I worked for the next year on working to move out of my corporate job and into my own business. And I always wanted to create digital courses. I had um, helped on some marketing campaigns with Robbins, and I love the idea of teaching through digital courses. So I knew I wanted to do that. So I went out on my own and then realized I had no idea how to create digital courses. I did not, I did not know even where to start. So to make some money, I started to do social media for other businesses. I was a consultant. I did the social media for many of them. And then I realized instead of having one big boss, literally Tony's a huge guy, but one big boss, instead of that, I had like eight mini bosses bossing me around, telling me what to do. I had no boundaries whatsoever and realized within two years, I created a business I hated. I didn't like to be a service provider. That's not what I set out to do. And so two years into a business I hated, I essentially fired all my clients and I went in a new direction. And I'm so very glad I did. So today I am known for helping people build online businesses by creating digital courses based on their skill set and knowledge. So that's my little area of the web and what I've been doing for many years. And um, absolutely love what I do. I have a team of 20 full-time employees. 19 of them are women. And our big claim to fame is that we work a four-day work week. It's fairly new still, but I'm all about teaching my students how to have boundaries way earlier than I ever did. So I wanna be an example of what's possible. So we work Monday through Thursday and have a multi-million dollar business. So I'm really proud of what we accomplished. 
That's a huge feat. And I love how you just summarized everything so <laughs> succinctly and it's incredible. Well, there's so many places we could start. I want to start, first of all, with this, what you talked about doing a social media management for other people and, and helping them with their social media. So many of the listeners uh, on our podcast, they are learning how to become social media managers and how to go down that route. And I, and I think it's, a, I think social media is an essential skill for people yes. um, because once they know how to do social media and they know how to build an audience and they know how to build an engaged audience, which is more important, and they know how to build a mailing list, which you are one of the first people that ever taught me how to do that. And I, I'm so thankful that I learned how to do that. Um, from you, but this this concept of starting with you know for our audience starting with learning how to use social media is a great building block for everything else you want to do. Um, why was social media important for you as you built your business? I completely agree. Like I wouldn't have the business I have today without utilizing social media, and I believe it's a way to find your voice. Social media helps you find your voice, creating content on the regular, trying new things out, posting uh, on social media. I, I think it helps you, first of all, realize who do you serve and how do you want to serve them, testing out content to see what they actually really need. This is all the foundation of what I teach, whether it be list building or finding a topic for a digital course. That's the foundational step. And social media is the perfect place to do that. I also believe that social media helps you find your confidence in, in that now social media, when I started, it wasn't like this, but when I, what, what it is now is you've got to do video. You've got to show up. You know, you've, I love that you're doing this on video as well as for a podcast because video is so incredibly powerful. And the way I cut my teeth on video is through 15 second IG stories and just like couldn't wait till they disappeared within 24 hours. And so I think that's another important part putting yourself out there, being willing to be seen and heard. So, and then of course, the connection, the, the way to connect and nurture relationships all through social media. So I can't imagine running the business I have today without it. And I can't imagine where I'd be if that's not how I got my start. I love that. So you talked about how you went from, you know, working for someone else to then, you know, doing social media for other people. And then launching your courses and and i know your story a little bit so was it a raging success when you launched <laughs> this course let's talk about that that's a trick question because you know so no it was not a raging success in my first launch i made a whopping 267 dollars after expenses and I cried. I cried for a whole week. There's a story I tell. You've heard it. I know that like I didn't get out of this black cotton kind of ratty robe for like a whole week that I, this robe was from Target and I wore it forever. And there was one day after this launch that my husband said, OK, we need to get in the shower. We need to get dressed and we need to go on with our lives. You're going to be OK that this didn't work out as planned. And the problem was. I watched everybody else's launches and it felt like everybody was making millions of dollars except me. And instantly my launch that didn't go as planned, I made it mean that I wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't cut out to do this. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the knowledge that I needed and I wasn't um, confident enough to make it work. So all these thoughts, the, the ants that you talk about, I love that you talk about that so much because that was me instantly all these thoughts came flooding in and it took my husband i think we all need somebody in our life to say let's snap out of it because i could have probably stayed there longer but it was devastating and thank god i didn't give up but that's interesting because your husband did encourage you to 
get dressed, have a yeah. shower, all that stuff. I, I have a very similar husband who brings <laughs> me cups of tea and makes sure yeah. I eat. Otherwise, I would not even eat. So, yes. um, you know, I think I get that part. Um, but you, you know, he can't do the work for you. He can't get you to go from that low point to I'm going to go again and again. So what did you do? How did you overcome that side of it? It's one thing for someone else to tell you, yes, you need to take a shower. But then right. after taking the shower, you still got to do the work. So let's you still got to do the work. So I love this question because I have a very specific answer. And it's funny, I'm writing a book right now. And just this morning, I wrote about this. So I love that you're asking. And what it was is I had to come back to why I wanted to leave my nine to five job in the first place. So when it all didn't work out, when I wasn't making enough money, the first two years were so hard financially. Um, when all of that wasn't working, I had to keep coming back to, but why do you want it? Why are you doing this in the first place? Why did you leave? And sometimes, I'm embarrassed to say my why in the beginning, it's very different now, but my why in the beginning was very much about me. Like I said, I didn't want a boss. I didn't want to be told what to do, when to do it or how to do it. I was done with that. And so that's my why. I wanted freedom. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to build my own thing. I wanted to call the shots. So I remember that. I said, okay, the alternative is you can go back to a J-O-B. Like, go ahead, Amy, go back. You will always hit a glass ceiling. You will always be working for somebody else and you will never have that lifestyle freedom you want. So the getting into action was all about my why. Now, if you fast forward 12 years to today and you ask me why I do what I do, that would not be my first why. My first why is the woman in the cubicle who's working a nine to five job that knows she's made for more, knows she deserves better, knows that she's hit a glass ceiling and wants to do her own thing. And she is knowledgeable and skillful enough to do so. And I want to find her and I want to help her. And I think about her every single day. 12 years ago, though, that's not who I was thinking about. I was thinking about me, and I feel like that's okay. We can all start with a very simple why. Absolutely, and I think you you have to start that way. I think as you evolve, your why changes, and I think it's important to revisit your why, and it's important to revisit your values uh, or visit your values. A lot of people never visit their values until they build a business, and usually they don't visit their values until things go wrong. And I think it's really important to think about your values. At, at Techpixies, we have our values in the word sparkle. So supportive, positive, authentic relationships with women who are keen to learn and want to be empowered. Uh, and that sets so the good. tone for everything we do. What are, what are the values that have helped you with your business? And, and especially as you've scaled, have those values changed? Have they stayed the same? Where are you on the values side of things? Yeah. So uh, in our business, we have a set of core values and some of the ones that I just think about all the time. Number one is compassion. We have the saying that everybody is doing the very best they can in the moment and we will have compassion for them. We will meet them with compassion. And that also means, and I encourage my uh, team members to do the same, have compassion for ourselves. We're not always going to get it right. We are going to stumble. It's going to be hard at times and we're going to have compassion increase for ourselves as well as for those we serve. And that compassion has really moved us forward in a way that we are known for caring and taking care of those that are in our community. And I'm so very proud of that. So that was one of our big values. Another one of our values is that we are coachable whether it be me or somebody on my team. And I know you can totally relate to this, but I am a constant learner. So when it comes to taking other people's digital courses, getting coaches, getting therapy, uh, whatever I need in order to be the very best of myself, I will do it. So I will forever stay coachable. And I ask my team members to do the same so that when new ideas come up, when we've got some hard feedback, hard conversations to have that they stay open-minded. That's helped us out immensely. 
You ask how our values have evolved. One of the ones that is a new value over the last year that has been important, I wish I could have said it was on my value list years ago, but it wasn't, was that we are a diverse and equitable equitable team. And this has been really big for us. And so over the last year, we hired a, a diversity, equity, and inclusivity coach that came into our business and helped us just be better, helped us see our blind spots, um, educated us in areas that we needed educated in. And now we have a more diverse team, a more diverse community, and a more diverse podcast when we look at the guests that are on my podcast. We have so much more work to do in this area, but we took it very seriously and added that as a uh, value and we live by it. And so I'm really proud of that as well. Well, that's really interesting because I watched you go through that. And you did. that was a moment in my life I thought, this is when I'm really happy. I don't have a half a million followers, <laughs> you know, because that was really tough. It's um, painful. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the thing, and we're both white women. So we're both women of privilege and what this last, the last year in particular, two years in particular have said to us is this is not, this is, there is, this is not concluded. This is not, there's a whole group of people who have been completely sidelined and ignored. And it's actually one of the beautiful things about being a woman is we, to a certain degree, we understand what that is like, but we don't fully understand what that's like because we are white. I know it wasn't easy for you, but it was incredible to watch you go through that. I also loved the way that you were able to open up your platform and introduce new people to everyone. I mean, I learned so much from so many different amazing so women cool. um, that yeah. I never would have heard about otherwise. And I, I do, I, I, I think it, you're right. We are just at the start of this journey uh, for sure. And that's something that is really important. To, to us at Tech Pixies as well. So I'm really excited to know that that's a value set. I think it's a, I think if it's not on your value set, it's not on your radar. Exactly. It's so true. And, uh, you know, I was called out for not being diverse enough and I deserve to be called out. I, I did have work to do. I didn't realize that I had so much work to do. So I, when I went through the year of, you know, people saying, Hey, me, look at your podcast guest. You, you have hardly any women of color there. Look in your community. And I looked and I was ashamed and embarrassed, but also I put my ego aside and I said, well, let's get to work then. Cause I know I can do better. And I'm so proud of my team because they were all embracing it as well. And I feel so excited for the new people that I've met. Like you said, there's been people on my podcast that blow me away. And I'm so glad that that's part of how we do it and how we will continue to do it. So I appreciate you continuing that conversation too, because you and I, we, we definitely have had that privilege and, and there's stuff we could do to make it better. So I'm so glad that we are. 100%. And I, and I just think it's such an important topic. Another important topic in this world of building a successful business is how do you go from that $200 sale to the multi-million dollar launch? And, you know, what are the things you must do if you want to scale? I mean, okay, of course, I've got Systems of Scale, which is your amazing program because I buy everything, Amy. Everything <laughs> I love you so much. I bought it, you know, the uh, Gabby Bernstein, I bought it, you know, Systems of Scale, I bought oh, good. it. You know, everything. But here's the thing that I've learned from you, because you you always go before me and everyone else you teach. You know, even in, in that situation where you had you were called out, you still said, I'm going to tackle this and I'm going to do it open with an open heart and I'm going to work through this and I'm going to work through it publicly, which I think was so amazing. But you've also been really open with your business processes and your systems. Uh, you are a huge fan of planning. You're a huge fan of systems. Uh, I, I am now an Asana addict, which is your fault. Uh, so I love it. 
FYI. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about that. How, how do you go from a $200 sale to a multi-million dollar launch and, and with those systems? So this is such a great question. One is that it's taken me years. So I think that's such an important part in terms of um, knowing that this isn't going to happen overnight. And so one, I, I allowed myself to figure it out over time. I've been in this game for 12 years. I think it was probably the, uh, let's see here, probably fourth or fifth year when we hit a million dollars and then went on to a multi-million dollar business. So it, it took probably three to four years to get there. But one of the things that you know, I preach about this a lot, and I know you've done it too, so it's so exciting to, to talk about it with you, is that the way I've scaled is that I started with one digital course that I launched over and over and over again. So what I found was that when I have way too many things going on, I wanna do this and I wanna do that and I wanna do this, what I found is that nothing gets my full attention, so I'm not really good at creating or marketing anything. I, I'm okay, but not really good. So when I stripped it all down and said, okay, the one main focus in my business is going to be this product, choosing a product that I knew my audience wanted and doubling down, I would launch that same product again and again and again. The first time I launched one of my most popular products back in the day, um, it was all about Facebook marketing because I started out in social media, was 30,000. And then it went up to over 100,000 and then 400,000 and then almost a million dollars. But it was launch after launch after launch. And I think that's the secret to my success and secret to scaling is do less, but do it really well that it's incredibly profitable and impactful. And, and that truly has helped me immensely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I... I get the launching over and over again. Yes, so. you do. You're a pro in that. I'm so impressed what you've been able to do. So for those of you who don't know the language of, of online digital courses yet, uh, launching means the start to finish of putting your course together and then launching it, basically selling it and getting students into your program. And obviously it's more internal language than it is external language. We, use, we have a whole dictionary, don't we? For We really do. In one of my courses, I literally have like a, a glossary of all the terms we use. Yeah. So launch, that's what launching is. And, and nice. I've launched 28 times now, so I know the drill, but I, I do think you get better and better as you do it. Um, and your systems get better and better as you yes. do it. So talk to us about, because I have to say, now, this is the way that I launched a course, okay? Okay, I'm I, ready. I want to hear, I want to hear this. Okay, so I said, uh, okay, I'm going to help 12 women go back to work, and uh, I'm going to do it by teaching them in a church hall for four hours every week for five months. That was my initial plan. Now, this is really interesting because I want to know some of the ants that came up for you. But one of the ants that came up for me was when I put this program together, the very first program I ran, we call it cohort one. When I put cohort one together, I was the project manager. I was going to find the women for the group and I was going to find the teachers to teach them. I was not going to be the instructor. I was not going to be the life coach. I was not going to be. I was the project manager. That's what I wanted to be. And I had got another social media company, training company to say, you know, I'd said to them, well, will you come in on this with me and, and you can teach the social media, I'll organize it and I'll bring in a life coach. They can do the life coaching. I always believed that social media needed life coaching because of all of the smart. ants that come up as you're doing it. Right? That is so smart. So they pulled out at the last minute. 
And we had <laughs> I to did not know this. Yeah, we had we had to re we had to rewrite the press release. Like it had already gone to press and everything. And they and and to be fair to them, I called them and I said, "We got the money. Are you in?" And they were like, "Oh no 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 no, we're not in." I don't think they ever thought we were going to get the money. So I did oh. I did get a grant to launch the first program. So but here's the crazy thing. Then I had no confidence in myself to actually deliver a program. So the funders said to me, well, you're going to have to get someone to teach the program or we're going to have to pull the funding. That was the next conversation. Oh. Okay, that would freak me out. So what well, freaked me out? So <laughs> then I had this chance conversation with this guy. I always, I always call him the guy who shall not be named. But I had a conversation with this guy and he basically sold me on the fact that he was this incredible market marketeer. He'd worked with BMW and he'd worked with Coca-Cola and, and who knows what he'd worked. But it was you know, all the big names. He wowed me, you know, and then he said, here, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not going to charge you my daily rate of 2000 pounds. I'm going to charge you my daily rate of a thousand pounds because I believe in you and what you're doing. So a quarter of my entire budget for this oh. program went to this man who shall not be named and he ran four sessions and I sat in on all four sessions with my head in my hands going, Oh my God, no. reteach everything. Oh, that was the first. And, and, and I, and you know, and here's the deal. I probably worked maybe a thousand hours on that first course. I'm not surprised. And he worked, he worked 16. Oh, so. oh. It's painful. Was, it's painful to look back at those early years, isn't it? Like how things went down. But here's the beauty of all of that. And I'm I'm a silver lining girl. Um, you know, the the beauty of all of this was twofold. One, I found out that I actually knew what I was talking about. So I got the confidence yes. I'm not an imposter, right? The second thing that I realized was I owned the content. Because I didn't bring in another person or another organization to teach it, I owned the content, and therefore I could create my own program. And I ran it like that until until I found you, and and it was through DCA that I then restructured everything. I came up, you know, and now I'm probably going to get it wrong, but you have in DCA you have the Porterfield process. Yes, for outlining a digital course. Thank yeah. you. The Porterfield process for outlining a digital course. And one of the things you say is it's really important to have something that's like yours. And yes. that I didn't have that until I did DCA. And so I created the Foster Foundations for Social Media Success. Oh. And that's how we built our whole program is on the Foster Foundations. So we have the Essential Foundations and the Expert Foundations. And then, you know, that's what it's all because of you I teaching me that. I love that. I love that. But my point here is that I that was my story where I had major imposter syndrome and I, you know, I had contracts fall apart and I had, you know, I had to make the decision whether or not I was going to put my brave pants on and move forward. Um, by the way, pants in the UK is underwear. So my brave <laughs> underwear on and like keep moving forward. OK, good to know. Good to know. So tell me tell me about your brave pants moment as you're going through this this scaling and as you're as you're you know launching the course and i know you already spoke about putting yourself out there on social media and wishing that the stories would go away but what are some of the things what are some of the things that you had to to, to really push through as you scaled this business and and some of the hurdles you had to overcome because there's no way you can go through what you've gone through and build what you've built without having had those things i definitely have the uh, many thoughts that don't serve me i mean every single day i'm working on changing my thoughts so that i can keep moving forward even this many years in but in those early years 
for me, it was absolutely imposter syndrome. So for me, I one of the big hurdles I had to get around was who would ever want to buy from me or listen to me? Because here's the weirdness of my story. I was behind the stage for Tony Robbins. So here this huge celebrity is out there doing his thing. I'm behind the stage giving him his notes and working on content. Who am I to come out from behind the stage and be out in front? And it's so silly. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I have um, mentioned it before that when my very early days of leaving my nine to five job and doing my own thing, I was so worried about what my old coworkers would think of me and what Tony Robbins would think of me. I was so worried he'd see me on a video or see me teaching social media. I taught Facebook a lot in the early days. And what would he think of me? Like, he'd be like, why is she doing that? And then my sweet, sweet husband tapped me on the shoulder and he said, babe, Tony Robbins isn't thinking about you. He's got a lot of other stuff to handle right now. He's good. Like you do your own thing. He's not going to be worried about it. And I realized that most people are not thinking about us. We're all thinking about ourselves in the moment, what we look like, what we sound like, what we're doing, all of that. So I had to let go of worrying about what everyone else thinks. And my good friend, Jasmine Starr, who I know you know as well, she always says, they ain't paying the bills. So who cares what they're thinking? They ain't paying the bills. And I remind myself of that a lot. But that was something that I really had to get over. I also really um, have dealt with demons around my weight. I've um, always been a bigger girl. And um, since a really young age, I struggled with losing weight and all this stuff. So I had this idea in my head that no one would want to buy from me if I was overweight. I know this kind of maybe sounds crazy to some people, but I was so insecure about being bigger that I thought I needed to be thin in order for people to buy from me. And one of my good friends always reminds me like, uh, Oprah built an empire, not having to be, you know, stick thin to, to do so. But, but the, the underlying thing was I didn't love myself. And so I, I was really hard on myself at every turn. When something didn't work, it was like, here's proof that you're not meant to do this or here you need, you, you need more help because you just can't do this alone. You probably have to go back to your job. There are so many demons that I, I had to work through, uh, to get to where I am. But I think the most important thing, and I love the way you teach because these thoughts are going to happen. I think the most important thing is that we actually are aware of them and we catch them and we choose different thoughts that serve us. And when I started to do that, I really did see the business start to grow in new ways and finding my confidence. Um, one quick story. I actually got a silent partner halfway through this business and I worked with a, a, a guy that kind of ran the back end of the business and I started in the, I was in the front. I had already built the business to about a million dollars and then he came in and he became a 50-50 partner. It was something I wanted. I was scared to do it alone. It was starting to get big and I was getting scared of the success and I thought, well, I could use some help. Well, then the partnership lasted a few years. We did incredibly well. And then there was this knowing in me that I knew it was not the way I wanted to go. And I, I realized getting out of that partnership, I thought I was going to have to lose the business. And I was so scared that this business I had created was going to fall apart because we couldn't reach an agreement. Now, the great news is we reached an agreement. Everything's fine. I got my business back. But in that moment that the scary thing I went through thinking I'd have to lose it in the moment, I thought I know how to make money online. I know how to grow a business. I could start over if I had to. 
And that's the kind of moments that make you stronger and more confident. Like you said, you start from courage, but that was where my confidence came from. I had done it before I could do it again. So it's just getting into motion. You are such an action taker. You know this. The more mo action we take, the more clarity we get. Clarity can lead to confidence. And so it's actually doing, getting in there, making it work, even when you're scared. And I have been scared almost every step of the way, but I still do it. I love that. Well, there's so much in there that is in alignment with the neuro coaching that we do in our program. You know, the, one of the things we talk about all the time is that people want to feel safe, loved and valued. And Ooh, that's good. That's good. Safe, loved and valued. Then they can build on that. But if you fundamentally don't feel loved, you fundamentally don't feel safe, you fundamentally don't feel valued, you're unable to really move forwards. And it's, it's another friend of mine calls it being above the line or below the line. You know, if you're below the line and you don't feel safe, loved and valued, you are in, you know, escapism mode or you Ooh, are in survival yes. mode. And then when you move above the line and you feel safe, loved and valued, then you can move into you know, the being and the doing and the legacy, you know, and, and you are definitely someone who's moved into the legacy space. But, you know, going from survival and escapism into being and doing and legacy is a it's a big jump. And yes, it starts with those fundamental feelings. One of the things I learned in neurocoaching, which I love, and I think this is such an important point, and it ties exactly into what you're talking about. You know, I first of all, I want to honor you for being vulnerable about your weight and talking about it. There's a lot of women who feel the same way and are going through those same uh, struggles right now. And they needed to hear what you said. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for that. We, that you talked about that. And I so appreciate it. Thank Here's you. one of the things that I learned in neurocoaching. Your weight does not care what you think about it. And this is one of the most interesting things I've ever learned. Okay. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So in neurocoaching, this is what I learned from Dr. Shannon, you know, Dr. Shannon. Yes. What I learned is this model um, with Stebdar, which is situation, thoughts, emotions, beliefs, decisions, actions, results. And it's this concept and, and it's, you know, it's slightly different to other models. There's a lot of similar models out there, but it's this concept that the situation is neutral. The situation doesn't care. It's like your weight does not care if you think you like it or don't like it. Right. And okay. then it's, but then you have thoughts and emotions around it. Right. It's actually neutral. It doesn't care. But you have thoughts and emotions around that. And those thoughts and emotions repeated over and over again really? become your beliefs. You make your decisions out of those beliefs. You take action or you don't take action. And then you get results or you don't get results. And one of the things that that I, that I really learned in neurocoaching is how to crack the thought pattern so that when you have the situation, whatever it is, you know, a partnership's not working out or in my case, I was afraid to spend money on Facebook ads. You know, we had a conversation about that, how scary that was for me. I had to really go deep and say, what are my thoughts and emotions around spending money on Facebook ads? And that's when she, Dr. Shannon was like, well, hang on, do you trust your numbers? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, trust the numbers, not the feelings, because the thoughts and feelings were causing me to not take action because the belief was I was scared. And so once you understand how this works, the most important thing is the situation is always neutral. It does not care. It's a little bit like Tony Robbins does not care does what I you care. do. It's so true. I love that. And that's such a great way to think about it. I, I totally subscribe to that way of thinking. Yeah, I think it's so important. So let's talk about the thinking as you move through these things, because you're an action taker. You were scared. You did it anyway. You said you're scared almost every day and you still move forward. That's so important to, for people to hear. Um, I think what we want to do now is talk about 
the things you can put in place, the infrastructure you can put in place so that, because here's what I think people think, as you're growing, I'm just gonna get busier and busier and busier and my boundaries are gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse. And 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 suddenly you're working, you feel like you're working 24 seven, you're working these really, really long days. The whole reason you got into starting this business in the first place feels like it's not there anymore. You know, you wanted more time with your spouse. You want more time with your children. You want, you know, you want the freedom to do what you want. And then you find yourself glued to a computer all the time. Yes. How do you fix that problem? How do you move away from, how do you create the boundaries? How do you create the systems? How do you move away from, you know, feeling like you got to do everything all the time? Because I know a lot of women get into that position. Once their business starts to take off, they go into overwhelm mode because they've got too much to do. What things can we do to get away from that overwhelm mode? Oh, such a great question. One of the things that I do now, what I teach my students is this idea of creating non-negotiables. So it's the things that no matter what you will or will not do, but you have to decide on them and communicate them with your loved ones right from the get-go. So for example, one of uh, my students' non-negotiable is that She's ending work at three o'clock because she's picking up her kids from school. And that is so important to her, something she could not do when she worked a nine to five job. And she'd often get home at six, six thirty, seven o'clock. The kids had already gotten dinner. She missed dinner with the family. Now it was bath time. She had to put them to bed, got no quality time with them. So she said, OK, I'm picking my kids up from school. That is my non-negotiable. Once she put it into place early on in her business, she wasn't like majorly successful before she did this, but early on, then she started to craft or create her business around that non-negotiable. So that meant that she knew she couldn't take on 10 projects at once because that would never mean a workday would end at three. She had to be really mindful of the projects she took on and do them very well so she didn't have too many spinning plates in the air. So that would be considered a non-negotiable. Um, one of my non-negotiables is is that I don't start work before 9 a.m. And the reason for that is that my time with my husband and my health mean more to me than money in the bank. And it's very, very true. So with that, that means in the morning I wake up and I, uh, I work out, I walk my dog, I have a leisure cup of coffee with my husband, Hobie, which his love language is quality time. So that man wants a cup of coffee with his wife every morning and it's the least I could do. So it's the cup of coffee with Hobie where we get to talk to each other, eating a really great breakfast, easing into my office and starting at nine. Now I haven't always done that. Many times I've started at 6 a.m. because there's a lot to do, but then I'm go, 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 go. It becomes six or seven o'clock and I am just done at nighttime. I have nothing left in me and I don't want to end my day like that. So it's when I start my workday, when I end my workday, do I take weekends off? Do I take vacations every year? What vacations do I have? Like one of my non-negotiables is we're taking two vacations each year at least. So it's really usually around your um, freedom, your lifestyle, what you want to create, but you've got to create the non-negotiables. One of my students' non-negotiables is she will never say yes to a client just for the money. Like, you know, we've all taken those clients that we need the money. So we're going to say yes, but we hate working with the client. She's like, no more. And a lot of times non-negotiables come from what you don't want. So you make one based on what you do want. So it's some trial and error for sure. But the non-negotiables is definitely a way to create a business that you actually love. Yeah, I, that's so great. One of, in fact, when I went out, I flew out to San Diego to go to your event and you challenge, you challenge all of us. I think this is right about the time that you started doing your co coffee mornings with. <laughs> yes, I was. 
you're like, you were sort of nervous about it. You're like, I've committed to this, you know, and I don't, yeah. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'll keep you informed. And it's great to know that you did stick with that. But I loved when you talked about the non-negotiables. And interestingly enough, I, you know, if I could get the journal out now, I could tell you some of the non-negotiables for me that I wrote down because you challenged us to write down what, you, you know, what's your non-negotiable. And, you know, one of mine was to not work evenings and weekends. And it's been a road to get there. And I will still every once in a while be caught working on a weekend. I'll still every well, more often than not in the evenings. But I will say I did get to a point where I don't work on the weekends. I did get to a point where I don't open the laptop an entire weekend. It has happened. And, you know, I think it's important to do that and get that, you know, so that you have that time away because you come back so much more refreshed. Yes. And um, even as a team, we, we went away to there's a city in the UK called Bath, beautiful, beautiful city. And we took our whole team to Bath uh, just for, you know, an evening, a day and a morning. Uh. And we didn't work. We just we just spent time together and it was so good for the soul. And I think it is really important to have those non-negotiables. And I love that you talk about that. So very true. I, 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 I love that you did that with your team. What a great experience. So another thing that you've always said that people should do uh, if really early on, and I love that you say this because I know a lot of women don't have the courage to do this. You're a big fan of the five hour VA. You're a big fan of bring somebody in who's doing the tasks you can do with your eyes shut, uh, doing the tasks you don't like doing. Like, for example, we are not all meant to be bookkeepers. We are not all meant to be, you know, invoice chasers. You know, so talk about that, because on the one hand, you've got your non-negotiables. But then if you're the only person running the show, you have a hard time letting Great go point. of those things. Great point. One of the ways to create non-negotiables and stick with them is to get the support that you need. And I'm well aware that when you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of money to hire a bunch of support that you need. However, if you can just start with five hours a week, which is exactly what I did, my very first virtual assistant, Rebecca, that's exactly what I did. And I eased into it. And that way, and it's funny because you told me that your, I think it's your COO, it was somebody that used to tell you all the typos that she would find on your website. And then you're like, why don't you come work for me? Exactly how I found Rebecca. She was like, you've got some typos in this blog. And she was so good about it and so nice about it. I'm like, can you please help me? So um, I love the idea of starting slow. I'm, I'm a baby steps kind of girl. And when you ease into it and find some help that you need, I can promise you, you can start to make more money and get even more help instead of just five hours, you go to 10, 15, 20, but ease into it, but get some help because you're right. Sticking to non-negotiables is very difficult when you're a one woman show. Um, my COO is here and she's just, <laughs> I love it. Hey, Carla, is that Carla right there? Oh, that's so great. I love your story and I love that you're running the ship now. Yeah, well, I have a shirt that actually says I run the show. It's so good. It's a running shirt. But no, I that's so I and what I love in your in your program systems of scale, you actually give job descriptions. You actually talk about how to hire someone. Yes. I mean, that's gold dust, you know, to have job descriptions already written. Yes. To have, you know, processes and systems already done for you. I mean, you've done it all and then you're sharing it all. It's an incredible gift that you're giving to the world. 
And I know for one, I keep saying to Carla, oh yeah, that's in, let's go back and find, let, that's in systems at scale. Yep, nope, you gotta check that out. That's in systems at scale. That makes me so happy because the systems at scale, I created that program out of just love for teaching people systems and processes to make their lives better. And you're right, it's like everything I've done in my business that works, I put it in there from the, the job descriptions to the templates I use, how to track my numbers, how to track my finances, all the way to putting standard operating principles together on everything I do in my business. And it just makes life easier so that you can do the things you absolutely love, like picking up your kids from school. So I think as women, we really need to think about what we really want and then create a business with systems that allow you to have that freedom you're looking for. So I had never heard about SOPs until you talked about ah, them. So I love that. SOPs are standard operating procedures, and this is one of the best gifts. And one of the things you say, Amy, over and over again is, even when you're just the one woman band, you know, start creating these processes, yes. using Asana, start creating these SOPs, the, the standard operating procedures, because that's what happens if you create them, and you know what to do with your eyes shut, but you don't then create the systems that say, this is how I do it with my eyes shut. You can't pass that off to someone. And I think what's so cool is um, we we now have, um, so we are crazy about Asana. And I and I do have to ask you a very serious question about Asana okay. here in a second. Okay. We have now created an SOP library in Asana for our team. So, so smart. We have boards for we have we have um, we have Asana groups for each of the the different groups, but then we have, for the different departments, and then we have boards within those departments for all the different areas. And oh. we created these SOP library. But let's be honest: Do you love Asana because when you hit complete, a flying unicorn crosses the your flying brain? unicorn is literally why I use Asana. No other project management tool has that, and I live for it. When you get it, you never know when you're going to get it. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it, but when I get it, I get very excited. I well, you must use it so much you don't get it every time. At the moment, I get the unicorn every time. It's what? very exciting. I do not get it every time. So maybe there's a setting I need to change. Yeah. Well, and my unicorns change. I get different unicorns. Oh, yes. They look different. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. the little right. things in life, isn't it? Yeah. So now we've geeked out a bit on SOPs. Yes. Yeah. So SOPs are really important. Hiring someone is really important. Um, Non-negotiables are really important. Um, and overcoming imposter syndrome is really important. Now you've given like, this is like a, let's listen to this multiple times until we believe that we can do this kind of podcast. Do you have any other information or tips and tricks you can give us? And now you're a big fan of marching orders. So, you know, yes. I think we, we should, and, and I think I would love to open up to those, of, those who are watching live. I want to reward them for being live. If they have questions, I would love it if they drop that into the chat. We'll open up to questions live with Amy at the end. But before we get that, what do you have any more tips and tricks? And what would the marching orders be for someone, you know, to move forwards? Oh, I love this. So one of the marching orders I was thinking was that, one thing that you do really well with your audience is, is you talk about the mindset and the, the thoughts that are going to serve you. And I really do believe that all of us should be educating ourselves into having a stronger mindset and really being mindful of the thoughts that we are choosing to think. And so whether you whether they learn that from you, Joy, or from a book or from other podcasts, become a student of managing your mind. I think it's so incredibly important. Take that part seriously. I was telling Joy 
offline that, you know, on my podcast, I teach all the online marketing strategies you need from step by step to how to to everything in between. But I always infuse a little inspiration and mindset shifts because I believe they're more important than any strategy I could ever teach. So I think taking that part seriously is everything. And then beyond that, also taking your business really seriously. You know, you had mentioned if you're one woman show and, and many people that are listening, one woman, one man show, that's what you are right now. But that doesn't mean you can't get into a sauna and create project plans. It doesn't mean you can't have your own SOPs. It doesn't mean that you can't hire um, a five hour assistant to get you going. Like there's so much you can do even as a one woman show do it, make it work because your business is legit. You've got to treat it as though it's not just a hobby. You're not just doing this for fun. It is legit. So start treating it as such. It deserves that. So just a few things to think about. Oh, that's so true. And you know, I, sometimes people look, I'm sure some of the times people look at your success and they go, Oh, she's an overnight success. And you're like, hang on. <laughs> oh, I wish this is decades in the making and tech pixies is very similar. I mean, I, I've been on my own in terms of like running my own show, if you will, uh, my own work, my own companies. This is my technically this is my third company. Um, the first one I worked in for five years, didn't make any money whatsoever. I got paid at the very end, just back, back my expenses that I put into it. Um, my second business, I, you know, again, just, it was a wonderful business, but I just couldn't make it make money. I couldn't figure it out. And even Tech Pixies in the early days is certainly before I met you and started to make mindset shifts. I just wasn't making progress on the, the revenue side. And, you know, I was underpricing myself. I was undervaluing myself. And so a huge part of this, like you said, taking it seriously is really valuing yourself and really believing that this is a legit business. Right. And part of hiring someone, even if it's for five hours a week, is legitimizing it is saying I, I you know it's bigger than me right you know this, this is bigger than me and by doing that you i remember when i had my first employee i worked harder because i wanted to make sure i could pay them and then we had the best month we'd ever had and then we had the best year we'd ever had because oh. i knew i had to pay them yes right? so everything you're saying resonates so much with me but i will say and i know this for a fact it wasn't until i started working on my money mindset and on switching from seeing all the problems to looking for the solutions, solutions. that I didn't really st start to see the shift in the revenue uh, to the extent that I have now been able to build up a team of amazing people that do, you know, and they're all here, which is what I love. Our podcast manager is here, Aww. our brand manager is here, our COO is here, our head of support and community management is here. You know, I, I could never have built that up if I hadn't figured out how to, to, to make money. And actually one of the things that um, Digital Course Academy gave me was not only how to structure the course correctly, because as you know, I totally screwed it up the first time <laughs> I moved, and I had huge long lessons that no one ever watched. And I was like, why is no one finishing this amazing course that's self-paced? And I worked out there's a lot of problems once I took your course. <laughs> but I then learned how to market it, how to sell it, how to do webinars, how to write a sales page, how to write an onboarding email sequence, how to nurture your audience, how to do lives. You know, I remember when you said, I want you to put on your calendar a date a day yes. and a time every single week that you're going to show up live, yes. rain or shine. Well, my friend, this is the hundredth time, the hundredth week that I have shown up rain or shine wow. on this uh, Facebook channel and now on YouTube. And I'm so 
thankful for that gift that you gave me. You are such a little go-getter. Like anyone who learns from you is so lucky because you literally do what you say you're going to do. That is a rare thing, my friend. So I just got to give you credit. And the fact that you're on a hundred episodes is a huge accomplishment. Most people quit way before that. So this is worth celebrating. I hope your whole team is celebrating. Are they all virtual? Are they? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're a hundred percent virtual. And I just left someone out who's here. So I massively apologize. Our resident life coach, Teresa, is also ah, here. She well, hey there. Of, she was our coach of the year last year. She's amazing. Oh, fantastic. So the whole gang's here, and I hope you all are celebrating. Here's a champagne clink to you because it's such a big deal. Such a big deal. Well, we've got... Oh, and my mom's here. Your mom's here? Who else is coming to the show? Hi, mom. <laughs> I, do you know what's so funny? I called my mom earlier and I was Maybe. kind of wanting to tell her I was going to be doing this live podcast with you, but I was like, I don't know if she's going to want to. And then I Judy was like, just said, you've always been a little go-getter. I could cry right now. She loves you so much. Oh my, well, you raised a good daughter because she does what she says she's going to do. And that is rare. So I love, I love my mom on the show. This is so good. Um, okay. This is so fun. Well, now we, the end of the li- live podcast is here and I love to open up and reward those who've come. And I know you have a few more minutes with yeah. us. So um, we do have some questions coming in. Uh, and so uh, Catherine, who's our podcast manager, she says um, two questions. Amy is a mentor to so many, but who are Amy's mentors right now? Oh, I know who one of them is because yes. I got hooked on this because. Oh, I was wondering. I was going to say yes. So in fact, you sent me one of them. And then oh. she says, what's on your big three? Okay, so funny she says big three because that's who. Okay, so one of my big mentors is Michael Hyatt. I recently moved from California to Nashville and he lives here and he is one of the big influences which got me here. My husband loves him just as much as I do. And so he's taught me so much about leadership. And that's one thing that I've had to do a lot of work on managing a team of 20 people. I need to be a better leader and every day I'm learning from him. But one of the things like Joey mentioned is he and his company has this thing called the full focus planner and the full focus planner. Uh, here is an example is, um, is a planner, a paper planner that I use every single day. I still use Asana, my digital planner. So, uh, I use both and, and studies have shown when you actually write it down, it gets in your brain at a deeper level. And so, um, with the full focus planner, every day you choose three things that you're going to work on come rain or shine. And then you also do that at the beginning of the week, three things you're going to get done. And if I think about one of my big threes, let's just say for um, for this year, one of my big threes is that I'm writing a book. The manuscript has to be done by the end of this year, October to be exact. And so at least the first draft. And so that's one of my big threes. Very scary, but I'm doing it. I love that. And we do have the Joy Book Club. So I hope you will entertain. Oh my gosh. The Joy Book Club. That would be so fun. And I feel like my book could be talking to many of those that you serve. So it will be so such a great um, alignment. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah. Okay. So my brand, my head of brand, my brand manager, she says, on social media, I heard you ask, what is the difference between marketing and branding? But I never heard your answer. So Oh, yes. You know, what do you think the difference is? So I had um, Ryan Holtz on my show where he talked about this and I had actually never thought about the difference between marketing and branding. And what he talked about is that 
marketing is more of the strategies and the, the ways that you get your message out there and you sell your products and you tell people what they get and how they get it. That's all marketing. But branding is who you are at at your core. And branding is something that I think that we tend to look at as logo and colors and fun things like that. But really, at the end of the day, it's that core message of who you are, what you stand for, what you're about. And that gets infused in your marketing. But I think it's important to first understand your brand and then start building your marketing. So when he explained it like that, I really did see the two different sides of it. And I think who we are at our core, what we're about, how we serve, all such important things to keep revisiting. I love it. Well, one other thing you talked about uh, at some point in some live that you did was a bucket list and sort of writing out all these things that you wanted to do in your life. And I was I laughed my head off the other day because I found a bucket list I'd written and I said, in three years, these are the things I'm going to do. And I had a whole list of things. This was pre-COVID. So like I had all sorts of travel I wanted to do. <laughs> of course. Monty Pichu and everything. Anyway, on the list was Amy Porterfield on my podcast. And mm-hmm. I get to tick that box off. Here I'm we so are. I love this. And I love that you just came on my podcast. I can't wait till that airs. So we both get to have that um, each other on each other's podcast. But this has been truly a gift. And I love to see your growth and your success. And I love how you operate. So this has been such a gift to me as well. Well, I can't thank you enough because you do what you say. You try it, you do it, you share all your learnings. And I have learned so much from you and I'm so blessed. And I, you know, what a gift I've gotten to spend a couple hours with you today. And I wish, you know, everyone gets the opportunity to meet their hero because I was not disappointed. This was absolutely incredible. And I would never have been disappointed. And I know that I was always going to be, I was more worried. I was going to be so excited that I couldn't actually do the job. Like I couldn't actually talk. <laughs> well, you were incredible. So I would have never even ner- known if you were nervous or excited or anything. It was just such a great conversation. I love you, Joy, so very much. And I love the work you're doing. So I hope we get to stay in touch forever and ever. <laughs> oh, amen to that, sister. Yes. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Well, I don't know about you, but that was the most incredible interview in the world for me personally to get to meet one of my heroes. Uh, I got so excited that I forgot to tell you where to find out more about Amy's System That Scales program. She has a free masterclass at amyporterfield.com forward slash system success. And there you'll find out how she overcame her busy business overwhelm and transitioned her team to a four day work week, which I think is really impressive to actually work four days a week. I cannot wait to watch the masterclass myself and figure out how to do a four day work week myself because it's not quite something that I have mastered yet. But of course, Amy goes before, she teaches us, she gives us marching orders. So if you are more interested in finding out more about her systems at scale, go to amyporterfield.com forward slash system success. And just so you know, this is not an affiliate link. This is just me saying thank you to Amy uh, and sharing her amazing wisdom with our incredible audience. Have a great day.